This podcast is sponsored by our partner, QXMD. QXMD builds mobile solutions that drive evidence-based medicine in clinical practice. Check out READ for easy access to research personalized for you. And CALCULATE for over 500 easy-to-use decision support tools. Try them today at qxmd.com apps. Again, that is qxmd.com apps. Welcome. You're listening to Back Talk Doc, where you'll find answers to some of the most common questions about back pain and spine health. Brought to you by Carolina Neurosurgery and Spine Associates, where providing personalized, highly skilled, and compassionate spine care has been our specialty for over 75 years. And now, it's time to understand the cause of back pain and learn about options to get you back on track. Here's your Back Talk Doc, Dr. Sanjeev Lakya. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Back Talk Doc. As you know, I'm your host, Sanjeev Lakia, and my goal with this podcast has always been to provide you with the most comprehensive tool set to deal with pain, injury, dealing with your spine care. Again, I work at Carolina Neurosurgery and Spine Associates in Charlotte, North Carolina. In fact, my office is in Rock Hill, South Carolina, just over the border, and I believe we have the best group because we provide the most comprehensive care to spine issues really anywhere in the country. And as I got to thinking, we've covered a lot of material over recent weeks and months. And I myself personally, I'm involved in a uh, business mentorship program. And through that, I got exposed to a couple of people who are basically living out a life mission to improve our ability to be in healthy relationships. And I was able to listen to them talk and take one of their courses. And I really feel like what they have to say is very applicable to those of you out there who are suffering with back pain or pain of any kind. And my hope for today is to introduce you to some tools that you can apply right away to help you cope with what I call the other side of pain, and that's managing your relationships. So I want to welcome to the show, Aaron and Jocelyn Freeman. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. We're glad to be here. Yes, thank you. All right. Let me introduce you to the listeners for those who aren't familiar with you. They're the authors of two books, The New Power Couple and The Argument Hangover, which I just received. And I've been going through and I'm excited to go through that. With much excitement, they founded and launched the Empowered Couples University. And this is an online university where busy couples unlearn unhealthy patterns and gain modern relationship skills. And they're really sought after relationship coaches. And they've worked with celebrity couples, uh, public figures, thousands of couples around the world. They've shared the stage with Tony Robbins and were nominated as Arizona's 40 Under 40 Influencers and have been featured in national media for teaching couples modern, practical skills and tools to work together through any life challenge. And they've reached really hundreds of thousands of people around the world with their message. Had dozens of sold-out live events before COVID and then now sold-out online events. They're passionate about training and leading future relationship coaches, and they have an accredited coaching certification program. Jocelyn and Aaron are ordained, and their vision is to make relationship development the new personal development and lower the divorce rate in their lifetime. And they've also recently moved to the Charlotte area. So welcome to the region. Thank you so much. We're glad to be here. (laughs) We've been down in Rock Hill as a little trip too. Yeah, you know, it's really close. And I think today I'm really excited to get into this because we've talked a lot over my previous episodes about medical interventions, surgical interventions, injections. And this is just a way to look at health through a different lens. 
In my career over 15 plus years, I've definitely observed that when people come in the office with back pain or injury of any type, that it doesn't just affect that individual. It has a real dynamic effect across their relationship with their spouse or significant other. And I can speak to that as a clinician and also on a personal level, as I've had some issues of my own that I've dealt with, and I'm blessed to have a wife who's basically an angel and handles everything. Having an injury or illness is not without consequence to those that you live with. And Jocelyn, you were sharing as before we came on a little bit about your own personal experience. I don't know if you want to start with that just so the listeners can relate a little bit. Oh, absolutely. So man, it's going on over a decade or right about a decade now that I broke L1 to L4, the transverse processes. And it was sudden. I fell down a flight of stairs and my life was changed just one morning that I was not expecting. And afterwards, I was obviously, as many of you listening, in a ton of pain. I had several bulging discs afterwards. I was one of those patients that the doctor's like, lay low on the exercise and I'm going back to squats. Of course, once the bones healed, but I did push my body a little bit too hard. I was very much into fitness and luckily I did recover. But in those months that it took for everything to really heal my body and spine to get back into alignment, It was definitely impacting my romantic relationship at the time. It's not my partner now. My my husband wasn't with me at the time, but it definitely impacted that relationship. I think was part of that relationship ending. Now, of course, there were other things going on in that relationship, but I mean, I can talk about the emotional impact it had on me and how that had me show up less of a great partner and kind of project some of that pain into my relationship. Yeah, it's interesting you would say that. And I had forwarded you guys, not as a anything I expect you to memorize, but I had forwarded you just an example of references in the medical literature about the effects of pain on a spouse. It's pretty clear there are correlations that those that are suffering with pain and injury, I mean, it makes sense. It puts stress on the relationship. And it's not something we talk about a lot uh, in our 15-minute uh, encounters in the office. But I do see it. And oftentimes, to be frank, it is the spouse who brings the patient into the office, basically dragging them by their ear because their pain is affecting their sleep, affecting their mood, and they want something done to fix it. So I hope you're doing well now with your back. Yes, I am. Thank you. Okay. I'll share a few observations that I have from the clinical side, and then you guys can share with me kind of your response. When I have patients that come in the office with back pain, a couple of things I notice right away. Number one, it's often accompanied by a lot of fear. And number two, it's accompanied by a lot of impatience. And I can see it translate into the relationship with their spouse. So right off the bat, I want to get your thoughts as relationship coaches. What would you say to people who are going through pain in terms of how to kind of mitigate it and develop a conscious awareness of how it can affect their loved ones? This is such a great question. And Sanjeev, I appreciate you bringing this together because as we're not specifically in the medical field, we don't often correlate a spouse being in real physical pain and the impact on their relationship and vice versa, as you were talking about. And I think the place to really start to make a differentiation here between the impact on the person that is, has the ailment and is actually in physical pain versus the spouse, 
is the difference, and this is, I think, to me, really huge, the difference between pain being of the body and suffering being of the mind. Because then we get an opportunity to talk about how emotions are really playing into that, right? So you have a spouse or a partner that's in physical pain. Now, you can for sure be in pain and be suffering. Now, it's probably a smaller amount of people, but you can be in pain but not be suffering because the difference is suffering is of the mind. It's the meaning that you're giving it, right? It's probably more so the future that you're focused on being not at all what you expected, maybe having to care more for a spouse. So when you have a spouse that's in pain, they're probably also suffering. But the real impact on the other spouse, like you said, is bringing them in. They're probably suffering because of the pain of the other partner. Yeah. And I think that in anything that's going on with a partner, stress at work, children, you know, we have clients of ours who they find out their children are autistic. Any stressor in your external life is going to have some kind of an impact on the relationship because sometimes unconsciously the relationship can become the kind of place you act out what's going on in your life because you feel somewhat safe in that relationship. Sometimes people can let down their guards and so they can act out what's going on in their life out in their relationship when they're not intentional. And, and so I think some of the impacts that we see, regardless of what the stressor is, but you work specifically with pain, is a feeling a sense of powerlessness. I know that one thing that impacted me, not only in my romantic relationship, but with how I was acting with my friends, with anyone, was I felt a sense of powerlessness. Like you said, like a, a sense of urgency, feeling impatient. impatient. Mm-hmm. For me, I was feeling a sense of powerlessness because I couldn't control the pace of my healing. And I couldn't control that I couldn't walk faster than a mile per hour. And that powerlessness showed up in how I was or was not expressing my needs in the relationship. And so there were different seasons for me or stages. There was a sense of that powerlessness acting out as kind of neediness. And so I was almost overly expressive and somewhat passive aggressive And kind of like, come on, give me the attention. Like I needed the attention to help me feel less powerless. And then there was another stage of my powerlessness, which became kind of more repressive, which is where I wasn't expressing my needs and I kind of felt hopeless. And so I was sinking down. I was not as engaged in the relationship and I wasn't expressing my needs. And both of those stages impacted the relationship negatively. And not to do too much here, and Sanjeev will let you you jump back in. I think the summary of why I wanted to start with this is because pain being of the body is the aspect that you probably don't have a lot of control over, hence why you end up going to see someone like yourself, where suffering is actually a place you do have control. So that was just the differentiation I wanted to make to summarize that whole section. Now, that's excellent. The distinguishing features between pain and suffering, I like to think about it as we can be in pain, but we don't suffer unless we label it bad. That's an interesting kind of rabbit hole to go down through. But one of the things I think, and it's whether it's pain or stress or what have you, and why I thought it'd be appropriate to have you guys on is you're very good at providing couples with tools to kind of process things. And I feel like 
when someone has pain and injury, it's critically important that they have proper communication established to help work through that health crisis. So it's often in my office, I'll quite simply say to a patient or spouse, I'll be like, you know, how are you doing with this? And I may be talking to the spouse sitting in the other chair, you know, and say, how are things going? Are you guys, how are things going? How are you dealing with the emotional side of this? I'm just checking in with y'all and just having a a venue that someone can even just talk about. And, and I'll hear stuff like, yeah, you know, it's very hard. I feel like I've got to take care of a lot more things around the house. I'm worried about him losing his job and just giving, just sometimes just the process of expressing how you feel can actually reduce some of the pain. And yeah, I, I think for you, particularly in your book, and this is where I want to kind of tie in a little bit and let you guys introduce it. You just came out with this book, The Argument Hangover. And the title is Argument Hangover, Empowering Couples to Fight Smarter and Overcome Communication Pitfalls. And what really struck me, and I, I wanted to get your opinion on, was the chapter five, Before Conflict. And I think this is where, if you guys can share some of the tools you talk about in that chapter with my listeners, these are things I think they can apply right away to help mitigate some of the collateral damage of having to go through a physical injury and make sure it doesn't actually leak out into their personal relationship? Yeah, several come to mind, but one that jumped out right at the top of mind was about expectations. And before conflict even arises, or you could call high emotion, or just there becomes this point in your relationship where the tension can get so high from the pain you're in, we have to really check out our expectations in a relationship. And when there's a sudden change in your dynamic, like an injury, and the other partner is needing to take on more, if it wasn't discussed, it can feel more like a burden or a lot of pressure because there wasn't an actual discussion about expectations. And not only that, but if the partner who's injured didn't express their expectations, you know, said another way, they withhold them and they kind of hope their partner will just figure it out or anticipate what their needs are, that will only lead to disappointment and frustration and can, you know, lead to like a sudden unexpected disagreement. So you want to be able to prevent some of that tension by having a very explicit conversation about what are the expectations here, not only with roles around the house and specific needs, but also emotional expectations. You know, hey, do you need me to check in on you emotionally, you know, daily? Do you want me to ask you how you're feeling daily? Or for the other partner, hey, it would mean so much if you'd ask me every night if I need to talk about how I'm doing. And so being able to talk not only about physical expectations, but also emotional expectations will prevent there from being kind of those repressed disappointments and create that disconnection. And I can't say from my own experience, but you know, we talk with many, many couples in de- many different circumstances, but it, it might seem like, and let me know if I'm stepping over any bounds here, but most of the attention would go on the partner that's feeling the physical pain. Mm-hmm. So then it seems like all the expectations and the expression of how you're doing needs to be focused on the partner that's in physical pain, where if it was still more open and the communication was such that you expressed your expectation to the partner that has the physical illness, that they check in on you. Mm. And maybe that sounded a little bit chaotic. That's interesting you say that because I've got a lumbar disc issue and late of last year doing some squats, working out my morning routine. I just did it wrong and all had kind of broke loose. And it, it was it's probably the worst flare I've ever had. But I was just, 
I had a little bit of guilt with my wife, Teresa, having to do so much with the kids and around the house. And uh, I mean, I think I've shared with you guys before and some email exchanges. I got three beautiful kids and you know, one of them, my daughter has some developmental challenges that already add a layer of stress to our relationship. And I was just really personally concerned with the excessive burden. I kind of felt a little guilt, I would say from two angles. Number one, just placing that on her, but quite frankly, also, and Aaron, maybe you can comment on this, just as a dude, like I can't lift that right now. And that actually makes you feel not so good about yourself. You know, I was just intuitively just checking in with her. Hey, how you doing? Do we need to get help? You know, and she would never ask for it though, which is the thing <laughs> where I really like just on the idea, number one of setting expectations. And I'm actually looking at page 78 in your book. And I love the diagrams or the pictures you guys use. And in this picture, and again, we'll put a link to the book in the show notes. You guys should definitely uh, purchase it if you're listening. And this is, you have an example of a subject is the conflict is really the same. And this example is money. And you have one area where the conversation is just a free-for-all discussion, back and forth, just kind of reactionary. And it leads to an argument that lasts multiple days versus another scenario where you already have agreements and ground rules established. And you have a little dispute, but it lasts three hours because you can go back to that framework. So I think you know a take-home tip, an action item, if you're listening with back pain, you're going through a health crisis, is take the time, do the exercise, literally write out the day-to-day things that you need to get done with your family and your spouse, your loved ones, and leave no room for confusion about who's doing what and when you want to check in with each other. Because for me, at least from relationship side, I get in trouble when I make assumptions about what I think she's thinking or and vice versa. So the process, you know, we use in medicine for people with pain, we encourage them to write out pain diaries. So pain diaries are ways that you can kind of get from your conscious mind onto paper, express yourself. And there's therapeutic value just by going through the process. That's why there's lots of data on the benefits of journaling to start your day. I mean, it's it's all over the personal development space. And I think for what you guys advocate, correct me if I'm wrong, is also extending that to the relationship side where you you go through the process of creating these agreements so they're on paper, they're visible, they're transparent, and that'll extinguish or at least minimize the intensity of future disagreements. Is that is that a good summary? This is really great. Yes. And Joc- I'll have Jocelyn do more about the specific agreements, but I want to take one step further back to what you were saying, especially for that feeling as a male of maybe being I don't know if you want to call it emasculated or just not being able to do things on your own. Yeah, it's obviously going to challenge your identity. Mm -hmm. And I know Jocelyn shared that with me. That was one of your biggest challenges was coming up against the identity you had created for yourself was one around your physical health and your fitness. Mm -hmm. And now you broke your back and it's like you almost lose yourself because Mm -hmm. you're not sure who you are without that. So I think to your point, I love the pain journal. So Getting really specific, if you are already doing the pain journal, I would really write down these couple of steps as well, because it's not that you don't have expectations. You shouldn't have an expectation to not have expectations. In the season of getting hurt, those are going to change. So disappointment comes from expectations being unmet. Now, not to go too far, but what causes unmet expectations 
is often that they are unexpressed. And that's what you were talking about, Sanjeev, is that you make assumptions. And I could be like where you were with my back issue thinking, oh, I'm such a burden on Jocelyn. I can't ask her to do more for me. She's already doing things for the kid. And so if you do not express your assumptions and your expectations, they will only turn into disappointments. So the first place to write, what are my new expectations? Secondly, have I expressed them or are these unexpressed? And you really can create an opportunity to have your partner just know a lot more about you. Hey, Jocelyn, I realize you know, I have a new expectation. I have some fear about asking you to do more because I, I see how much you're doing already. So just starting to share some of that, then what can happen is once an expectation is expressed, now it's a good place to look at, which Jocelyn can go into, well, what agreements can we put in place for that such that it doesn't lead to a disappointment or like a broken promise or agreement? Yeah, no, I really like that process. And in fact, applied that at home after we did your live day training. And when I went through that with that exercise with my wife, we had two immediate issues that were recurrent that quite simply, I think, were due to a lack of communication on the issue. And once we put it pen to paper, it's been pretty good. It's been pretty good. So I think that's a, that's a really good tool that my patients can utilize as a kind of process and go through their, you know, their healing journey. The other thing that you guys talk about, and I want to give you some space to elaborate on that I think could be helpful and probably gets very magnified in any stressful situation. And again, I, we're talking about pain and back pain, but you can replace that with job loss. You can replace it with you know, any sort of stressful event. But you talk about the importance in your book of the communication type. And you outline several different types. Do you think it's important for people to understand their own and their spouse's communication type? And would that be useful in the event that they have to go through a kind of a medical crisis? A great question. And 100%, I mean, everyone in any circumstance would benefit from understanding their communication personality type, which is a whole framework we created. Because what we realized after thousands and thousands of conversations, and, you know, in the relationship space, there's this beat of the drum communication is the key to a relationship, <laughs> communication is the key to a relationship. But then when one partner doesn't implement the communication tool they learn, the same way they do, they're frustrated. You're not doing the communication the way. <laughs> and so we realized after we're big like data people and really looking at what trends we're seeing, we really found four communication personality types, which there's a visual in the book, but there's assertive to reserved and flexible to inflexible. And you can fall into one of the four boxes there. And so your partner's communication personality type definitely impacts the way you are processing and communicating your needs when you are in pain or when you're the other partner really taking care of a lot of the things going on. And the impact would be if one of you or both of you tends to be more on the reserved side, that means you silently process your thoughts, your needs, your desires, or things you're frustrated about. Now, reserve types without awareness can withhold that for a long period of time, mm -hmm. and then can be expressed at a later date when they're already frustrated, they're already disappointed. And that can feel like a blind side to the partner. Where's this coming from? Like you haven't expressed this the whole time. And then an assertive partner who might be in pain will be very expressive about their needs, 
their wants. And that can feel overwhelming to the partner as well. And so it's useful for both of you in that relationship to understand your communication personality type so that you, number one, have awareness of what your default tendencies are, but also you're aware of, okay, how could I make slight adjustments so that my partner understands me better so that I don't overwhelm them or I don't withhold from them and kind of keep them in the dark, depending on what your type is. So, I mean, it, it drastically helps prevent disconnection, frustration, unmet expectations. Anything else you'd add, Aaron, about oh, that? It was funny. I was kind of laughing to myself because I thought of something I hadn't thought of before. Yeah. We are not advocates of anticipating what your partner needs because we, we think that leads to assumptions and, expe- and expectations. However, it can help. I do actually realize that if you had a reserved partner that happened to be the one that got in pain, hurt mm-hmm. and was in crisis, and you have another partner, the one that is helping, being assertive, if you know that your partner is reserved, it can help you anticipate a little bit. Or ask more questions. Exactly. You're going to ask more questions. You're not going to just sit back and assume They'll you tell know me that they're good. reserved. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know they're reserved, so it's going to spur you or to initiate, I think, some more conversations because you'll know, hey, there's probably some things they're not communicating. So mm-hmm. I think that can also be leveraged to have you feel more love and more taken care of because you will be able to anticipate that little bit. But I don't want to say that because you still want to communicate and not expect your partner to anticipate. I'd even do a word swap. What if it was (laughs) instead of anticipate, it was ask. Just truly, if your partner is more reserved, it's asking them more questions Mm -hmm. of what they might need during those times. Is there a, a link where people can go online and kind of go through a little quiz and figure out their type? Yeah, it's like you read our mind. So we actually did develop one online because people are loving this whole framework. And that's at My Couples Quiz. So it does have an S in there, mycouplesquiz.com. You can find out your partner's communication personality type, as well as some like mistakes you might make unknowingly and some ways that you can communicate better with them. I got to go do that. We'll link to that in the show notes. And I think I think that's a great exercise. If you're listening, or you don't have an injury and you're just listening because you have a family member who does, or there's other topics on the podcast. You know, when people come to us with questions about their spine, Obviously, we love to prevent back injuries. So we'll talk about maintaining flexibility, core strength, don't sit too much, watch how much you bend, lift, and twist. And it just occurs to me that learning this type of information could be really good ahead of time and not necessarily waiting until you're in crisis mode. So I think learning the communication type is probably applicable to anyone listening. And then the other thing, the other concept you mentioned that I want to get your thoughts on was the whole idea of kind of the love bank account. And to me, when you go through back pain, that's a depleter. That's a depleter of your energy. And at a minimum, it's going to prevent you from making a whole lot of deposits into someone else's bank account. So for those who aren't familiar with that concept, can you kind of briefly explain that and just kind of discuss why you think it's an important topic? Yeah, so you can imagine that each of you in the relationship have an invisible bank account measuring how loved and connected you feel. Now, everyone has different desires for what fills your love account. Mm. And the thing is, when someone is an injury, or again, if you more of your attention goes towards a child who is diagnosed autistic, Mm. or a family member is unwell, anything that's taking your attention away from your relationship 
we can make less and less deposits to that love account. Mm -hmm. Like you said, that injury can deplete. And in my own experience, when I was injured, I was not initiating sexual intimacy. You know, I wasn't feeling great myself. My confidence was low. And so then that was not filling that partner's love account at the time. But then also when I'm not bringing attention to it or even the other partner, because now maybe they feel like they're having to do a lot around the house. So then they have less attention on you. They can be making less deposits for you. Mm -hmm. The thing is, research shows this, and this is from the Gottman Institute, who's been researching couples for decades. Interestingly, the feeling of being connected to your partner has less to do with the big things, less to do with like, I planned a trip for us, or I got you this gift, or we had a weekend away as a date. Or even how much time you spend together, or even how, quote unquote, meaningful your conversations are. So it has less to do with those big things and actually has much more to do with all of the small deposits mm -hmm. that you make more frequently. So it's walking by them and, you know, brushing your hand on their back. It's getting them a cup of water. It is, you know, saying you look great today. It's all of the small things throughout the day. And you ideally want to make how many deposits is it per day? I don't know if there was a number, but they did study and say a healthy couple would deposit like even up to 40 times during a dinner. Right. For during a dinner. So, so, so that that is a lot. So, I mean, maybe as a number... I mean, 20 to day, 25 yeah. would be a really good number to shoot for to do, really fill that tank. So even if you are the one in pain listening or again, the other partner, just think about how can I, I might not be full blown ready for sexual intimacy because maybe my confidence is low or maybe it's just not physically realistic right now because of my pain level. Can I still make love deposits in other ways to my partner? Yeah, no, that's, that's very powerful. And it is something I think you have to be intentional with, even as you're going through, you know, the episode, the more effort you put into that, the less likely I think you are to feel disconnected and develop conflict. So I was happy to kind of see that you guys writing about that topic. I guess if I could add one more quick thing, Sanjeev, because it was interesting what you brought up going through your own experience of that. And maybe even a question for you. My guess would be that when you're someone that's feeling the pain, and injured and limited, that you have that sense of maybe already being a burden, my guess would be, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you probably don't make as many deposits towards your partner then too, right? Yeah, that's totally correct. In fact, I mean, to be totally honest, and you know, people who listen to me know I, I share quite a bit. And I think, I think it's important that we do that. I mean, you put things out there and people can learn and grow from your own experience. But I need to be perfectly honest, when I hurt my back, in addition to kind of feeling the physical pain and then the emotional pain with my family from kind of letting them down, I mean, there's a little bit of embarrassment. I'm the back talk doc. I mean, this is what I do for a living. I help people recover from their injuries and uh, I'm the quote unquote expert on spine care. And here we go. I got my own injury. Now I've had it before, so it's not new. It's something that kind of flares every, you know, every now and then, but it would be akin to, you know, you guys are the relationship power couple and then you split up. I mean, it's like, how deflating would you feel with that? But then once I, you know, I like, at least for me personally, as I've gone through my 45 years of life and been very blessed to have a wonderful life, I've learned more and more that at least through my lens, that things happen for us, not to us. I was telling a friend of mine recently, I was going through something really rough. I, I told him that and I said, even the horrible, crappy stuff that we go through, I think 
over time, it teaches us things and, and you can't understand it while you go through it. And maybe you can't even understand it as you go through your entire life. But on some deeper subconscious level, I think there's lessons that we all have to go through. And I think that's part of what brings patients into our office. Like their injuries are physical injuries, but they're metaphors for other things going on in their life. So for me, as, a, as I kind of process the initial emotions, absolutely. I, I wasn't putting a lot of deposits, at least openly. And I'm not, you know, I kind of fluctuate as most men do in terms of how expressive I can be. But I know internally I was, I was expressing a lot of gratitude. And I, I think for me, that was about what I could do at the time going through it. So yeah, you know, it's, it's a good question. And it's certainly something that, you know, one thing, if you guys look at the research, you're aware of this. When you do express gratitude, it boosts your immune system. There's good data that shows people who express daily gratitude, they have elevated antibody levels. So it's a really good strategy as you go through these kind of crazy times. And if you're in a state of gratitude, you cannot be in a state of fear. You cannot be in a state of worry simultaneously. So, you know, to me, that is one strategy that I, I'm not a relationship coach like you guys are, but that's one strategy I recommend to my patients who are really kind of, some of them come in and they're really, they're really down. I mean, they're going through major stuff. They got back surgery coming up. They're out of work or they've got nerve damage. It's a life altering event. And sometimes I'll say, you know what, as, as part of your days, you go through your day, find one thing that you can be appreciative for that puts a smile on your face. And that's just like a lifeline for people. And I think it can apply to the relationship. Just make sure you find one thing each day to be thankful for in the midst of your relationship. You can appreciate it. I would say this, like when you go through pain and injury, there's a little bit of, you kind of take for granted the other, you know, as I say, the other side of this, you know, your family, your spouse and, and how it affects them because the pain can be so distracting. To really just acknowledge what you're saying, funny enough, when I was in the midst of my injury and my self-esteem was very low and I really did feel a loss of self and identity, I actually start, well, my family initiated it because I was really getting down emotionally and mentally. And we started a group text thread of daily gratitudes. Hmm. And every single morning, every single one of us in the family texted three things we were grateful for. And I can say that that was a huge contributor to me coming out of the kind of depression emotions mm. and, you know, stepping into the light. So I really echo mm. what you're saying about gratitude. One other thing also just made me think of then too, there are sort of base human needs beyond the ones of survival. And one of those is contribution. And my guess would be that that is probably something that goes down too when you're not as mobile, maybe you're not seeing people and probably even the contribution to the family. So that tank goes down too. And I know that puts people into a state of not being very valuable, right? And you can kind of feel how that would lead to maybe a diminished mental state as well. So I guess I would encourage people, again, I haven't been there myself, but we do have technology that can allow you to contribute to other people even while you're experiencing that pain. Maybe not like right in the moment, but so this is good. Jocelyn's going to think this is funny. I just got on Clubhouse like two days ago. So Clubhouse is an app where it's all audio and you can get into these rooms about any kind of topics. And the conversations are very real. They're very authentic from what I have found. And there was even rooms where people were sharing about what they were going through. To jump into something like that, where you can immediately connect with a group of people, maybe even going through a similar thing, share your story, and actually hear how that might make a difference for another, 
I think you increase that contribution. I think you naturally increase that feeling of gratitude, probably those hormones and chemicals, right, that then get released into your body when you're contributing and when you're being of service. So I think little bumps like that would probably also help your mental state, your emotional state, and just then your being, which then we know also influences your partner. So I know I went a long path there, but... (laughs) No, that's good. It's almost like the modern day version of kind of medical support groups. And more and more now when people just can't get together or too uncomfortable to get together, you know, I think that's a good idea. We'll definitely link to that and I'll take a look at that. Well, I think we've covered a lot of stuff here, guys. I've, I've been uh, just real excited to talk to you about this. I, I like going off topic a little bit. I actually did an episode several episodes ago with my partner, John Welchofer, physician, and we just talked about spirituality and, and pain. And I think it's very productive and useful to honor and recognize the multidimensional characteristics of health. And a relationship is a big one. I'm in the Andrew Weil Integrative Medicine Fellowship right now. We just finished our first year of two. And we've had several great speakers that have talked to us about this. And I feel like it's important because as physicians, if all we do is heal their physical injury, but totally neglect every aspect otherwise, then we really haven't done our job. And I, I mean, I know there's people are going to listen to me like, come on, man, we got 15 minutes per encounter, but it doesn't take much. It can be just some, one simple question, just acknowledging someone's pain and injury, just acknowledging the effect on the relationship. It's got a domino effect that as providers, sometimes we can't even see. So I really appreciate you guys just adding to it, you know, adding your expertise to the arena, jumping into a conversation, you may not have known what you're getting into. <laughs> well, thank you. And you sound like an incredible doctor that I wish I could have seen you. Yeah, my my yeah. Did, doctor didn't ask me any of those questions. So mm. I would have preferred to see you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always like to close my episodes with a couple of questions just about, because you know, I'm a big health nut. That's how you, I kind of get introduced to you through the integrative functional medicine uh, mentorship. I know you're in Charlotte now and I see kind of on Instagram, you, you love working out and I love kind of picking the, the brain of people's morning routines or personal health habits. So I'll let each of you take a turn. If you want to just even share one aspect about your personal health routine or health habits that you think other people would benefit from, go ahead. Here's the floor. I think you mentioned exercise already. So that's covered. I think that one thing that got really introduced to me around the time of my injury was self-development and was working on my mind. And so now every single morning we do this together, we created this as a habit. Before work hours, before we are accessible to the world, we spend time with ourselves as individuals. So even before we're totally available for each other in our relationship, we spend time in our own little separate corners, meditating, journaling. Sometimes we're listening to an audio and we're focusing on our mind, our spirit, We're also very spiritual and really making sure our connection to ourselves and our higher source is strong and that influences every other element of our health. What about for you, Aaron? Well, there were, I guess I'm just feeling called to give three particular resources uh, given the audience is probably listening. So you probably already know, but Dr. Joe Dispenza, right? A book like called Becoming Supernatural is going to be really, really empowering to start to create that mind-body connection. Now, where I would go next then is an author who's now passed away, but Wayne Dyer. And Wayne Dyer brings in this entry-level spiritual conversation with something like a book 
like the power of intention. Then from there, where I'm really at, every single morning, I'm reading an author that was alive back in the 30s and 40s and 50s, Neville Goddard. And he talks about the power of imagination, a book called Awakened Imagination. And he starts to make the amazing correlation between God, even the God of the Bible, and how that correlates to the conscious, subconscious mind, and how you access that through the power of your imagination. So those are resources that have changed my life. That's fabulous. I'll add to the list, since you mentioned some books, if I was to be asked kind of the most defining book for me in my life, it would be Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. And, and I don't know if you're familiar with that. I, the story goes, it was the one book on Steve Jobs' Kindle when he passed away. But it just speaks to, if you have a chance to read the book, it really speaks you know, to me as I've gone through my life and now as a physician, the incredible untapped healing potential of our body and like how we know very little of it. But I do think as you enter these topics of engaging in relationship discussion and, and setting your mindset and attention, it just adds to our capability. So I really appreciate you guys sharing those uh, kind of personal tips. I want to honor your time today. I know you've got very busy schedules as you are saving the world, promoting healthy relationships and smarter relationships. We'll link to your two books in the show notes. We'll link to your website and your quiz. If people want to get in touch with you, how would you like to leave that? Yeah. So I think two other places besides those you already mentioned would be our podcast. If you want to listen to more relationship content, that's the Empowered Couples podcast. And then we're also very social on Instagram. If anyone listening is an Instagram person, we're meet the Freemans on Instagram. Please check them out. I love talking to people who have such a laser focused purpose. And that is one of the things that kind of attracted me to the work that you're doing. Guys, go check out their website, check out their why that they wrote. It's really cool. And again, I hope you guys in the Charlotte area, hope we can connect again, even on a personal level. If you ever need anything, feel free to reach out to me. And thank you for your time. Thanks for having us. You asked incredible questions. Yes, and great to know you're just right here in the local area. Thank you for listening to this episode of Back Talk Doc, brought to you by Carolina Neurosurgery and Spine Associates, with offices in North and South Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Lockia and treatment options for back issues, go to backtalkdoc.com. We look forward to having you join us for more insights about back pain and spine health on the next episode of Back Talk Doc. Additional information is also available at carolinaneurosurgery.com.